The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Welcome, everyone, to Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson, and today... We have a, a budding author whose name is Dee Dee Marks, who's written a, a really fascinating book <clears throat> called Beyond Believing. And the thing that I, I really liked about the, this book and intrigued me and made me want to have Dee Dee on the show is that although on the surface it's a, what I guess the term is a chick lit or rom-com kind of book, it's, there's some really deep philosophical, spiritual, and uh, important themes that run through the book, and, and I wanted to talk about them because I think that a lot of people are struggling with these sorts of issues, and, and they, you know, when they find out that the book uh, addresses these kinds of things in a very uh, practical way, although it's all in a story form, it's, uh, you know, I think that people will be able to get a lot of insight and get a lot of help from this book. So without any further ado, welcome to the show, Dee Dee. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, one thing that um, I wanted to ask you is, as I understand it, you know, you wanted to be a writer from an early age and having published a couple of books myself I know it, it's one thing to want to write a book right. and it's a it's certainly something else to actually write it and then to get it published right. so uh, what tell us a little bit about the story of this of how this book came to be and how you know what you had to go through to write it and and how you got it to where it is now sure so um, you know I think it was a story that's been in my heart for 20-plus years. Um, the book was inspired by a dear friend of mine who passed away in a car accident when we were 23 years old. He was not a romantic interest, but one of my best friends, and it kind of just rocked my entire world, as you can imagine. And, you know, I was living my life like most people, kind of following the typical corporate path and um, wasn't satisfied and found myself... my early 40s without a job and I'd gotten let go for the first time in my life and I was just kind of it made me seriously stop and take pause and say you know is this where I envisioned I would be when I was 40 years old right or is there something bigger and better for me on this earth that I need to be contributing so I really took the time to soul search and dug deep 
And this story has always been with me about how incredible, incredible of a friendship we really had. And I was like, you know, I think a lot of people could relate to, you know, losing someone they love and feeling desperate to stay connected to them. And I wrote it fictionally so that I could add some, you know, different pieces and parts to it. A lot of it is based on things that have happened in my real life, but, you know, a good portion of it is fiction. And I thought, you know, if I wrote it in a way that was relatable, you know, it might help some people recover or heal from losing a loved one and know that, you know, if you keep yourself open uh, to signs and symbols that your loved ones are still with you and trying to communicate with you um, every day, which hence the name Beyond Believing is kind of this metaphorical title of, you know, believing in things that are bigger and better, but I wrap it up in humor and funny stories to make it somewhat lighthearted. So I pursued this a couple years ago. I started writing and it was really a matter of just getting out of my own way and sitting down and starting to write it. And as soon as I sat down and started writing it, it just literally poured out of me. And, you know, I didn't have the pressure of a deadline or anything else. I just really gave it its due course and it ended up being pretty quickly. So within about nine months, I had the whole thing written and my attitude was just more, okay, you know, if only my family and friends read it, it's still been worth the, the journey. And I found a self-publisher and I went through that process. So in about a total of less than 18 months, it went from the first word written to edited to published. And it's just been this incredibly amazing journey ever since. Well, you know, when I, I have to say when, you, when I read the book, and, and by the way, I did read it, I, the sense that I got was that it's a, number one, it's a very easy read. Uh, it's very well written. And it's one of the things that you can I, I, I say that is because it's deceptively simple. Because right. uh, one thing that I spend a lot of time on is uh, philosophy and spiritual principles and and dealing with emotions and helping people heal from loss or uh, you know disease or illness or stress or whatever they may be suffering from. And I see these themes, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show, but I see these themes going through, running through this book. And, it's, mm-hmm. and I, I realized that, uh, you know, that might not have been your primary focus was to um, – you know, reach a spiritual target audience, but uh, I think that certainly people who read this book will be able to take away some much deeper truths than just, you know, something they might take to the beach and read. Right. So, um, you know, that's that's one reason why I really was excited to have you on the show, because there's some really deep things in this book. And, you know, one thing that I... Uh, wanted to talk to you about is this this issue or this theme of friendship because mm-hmm. you know one they're friends and then there are close friends and then there's you know for lack of a better term it's a popular term now is soulmates and yep. twin flames and it doesn't yep. mean that doesn't necessarily mean that these people are going to be romantic 
interests, but they certainly are your deepest and best friends. And so, yes. you know, it's, uh, so expand expound on that a little bit and, and uh, tell us about uh, what, where you're coming from as far as the importance of friendship and the things that, you know, are very important about that. Right. So what's interesting is I I just spent the weekend with some of my, with 12 of my closest friends. We did kind of a girls weekend and that was the theme of the whole weekend was just everybody is off living their separate lives and we came together to kind of support each other and one had just lost her mom um, and it was the last parent. So she's married. She's lost two in-laws. She lost her dad several years ago and then her mom just passed away in June And the way she described it was just, you know, in your life, you have these handful of great loves, right? Whether it be a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a child, and you can't really quantify that relationship or the loss that you're going to experience once it's gone. So um, what I tried to do in the book, it was the overall theme of friendship. And I'm sure you noticed that I weaved in that, you know, we were friends from a very young age, but... Although we lost a friend, it was my other friendships that helped get me through the lost, right? And that um, those people are going to be here for me through thick and thin. And it kind of bound us much more tightly because we had this tragic event that happened to us at such a young age. So, you know, the theme is friendship because I don't think you can ever underestimate the, um, the happiness a true friend can bring to you. And I... I consider myself extremely blessed, but even if you have one or two of them that you can rely on throughout your life, it is such an important relationship, right? And um, this was, you know, my first great love that I lost, meaning, you know, my soulmate of a friendship kind of nature. And I had lost grandparents and great aunts and uncles, but nothing had really struck me until this hit. And I didn't necessarily have the skills to cope with it at the time, you know, because it was just tragic and unexpected. So the book helped me heal, and what really helped me heal was that the friendships that were surrounding me that carried me through it. That's great. If you could, you know, it, when because I've had guests on my show that were, quote, grief experts, and, mm-hmm. you know, every everybody has their way of dealing with grief. I mean, there's, although there are books out there that have formulas and deadlines and, you know, and stages that people are supposed to go through. It's, it's, you know, you really can't put people in a box. You have, they have to experience what they're going to experience. And so what was, what were some of the things that really helped you in the sense that if you wanted to, Tell people that are listening to this show what was helpful for you in healing from this experience. Sure. So one of the biggest things for me was always keeping his memory alive. So, um, for example, we, you know, it's been 23 years, but all of us um, from high school still keep in close touch with his parents so we have two biannual events, one in the summertime that involves all the sp- all the new spouses and all the kids of the next generation. And then we also do a winter event to celebrate his birthday and things like that. And I think it's a great way to honor 
the person that's passed, but also brings people together to remember all the fun memories and the happiness and the laughter and the stories. And it just makes you feel connected. So that's been one of the biggest areas of recovery for me. Um, Also kind of being open to things that happen around you. So, you know, if it's a butterfly or a bird or something that's symbolic that will remind you of your loved one and Um, If it's around taking comfort in the fact that, you know, they're still with you. But I couldn't agree more that there's no timeline. There's no right way to do it. And it's an individual experience, even based on an individual death. You're not going to grieve the same for every person, right? Um, But it's just important to surround yourself with the people and the tools that will help you get what you need to get through that journey. And find yes, trying to find supportive people is is very very important. One of the things that is very prominent in in your book, and I want to talk about this, and because I think that it's something that people need to pay more attention to. And there, you know, there's a whole mindfulness movement out there where people are are saying you have to be more aware, you have to be more mindful of what's going on. But the thing that uh, runs through this book is are the signs and the synchronicities and, you know, the things that uh, where the protagonist, uh, Olivia, talks to her departed friend and demands an answer and then, you know, she, she sees a license plate. And it's like, um, you know, in your experience, you know, how does that play in people's lives? Is it important? Is it just something that somebody's making up? Or is this real? Right. So I can tell you from personal experience, based on 23 years of this happening almost to me on a daily basis, that you know, I still doubt and I still need to feel that presence of my loved one. But um, the more I pay attention, the more that um, I hear from him. So the perfect example would be when this first happened in real life. Um, you know, we were young and I had never experienced anything like it. I, like I said, I didn't have any coping skills and didn't know what to do or how to deal with it. So I felt this very strong need to be able to connect with him on whatever level I could. So I kind of said, all right, I'm going to pick this song, Small Town by John Cougar Mellencamp. And he was, my friend was a huge John Mellencamp fan. And the words and the lyrics seemed to really sum up kind of his life. It was short, but it was wonderful. And he had so much fun. So I just kind of made that as a mental note. And then, for example, I think three years later, I was going through some things, and I found a postcard from my friend, and it was from our first year in college, and he had written me a note, and in the postcard, which, you know, you can imagine is only maybe a paragraph, he says in the postcard, have you ever, have you heard Johnny Cougar's new song? So it's the only piece of communication I have from him in written form, and in that message that I didn't even know about until three years after I picked my sign... He was validating for me that, like, I was right, that he is speaking to me through song, and that's the artist that I chose as the one that he would have chosen. And so there's all sorts of validations in there, and 
it's extremely comforting. It's like, a, you know, kind of like you're getting a hello from heaven kind of thing. And it's, it can help get you through some very sad times. It certainly sounds like uh, Dan is your guardian angel. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying. You know, if it, there are two levels to this, or at least in my perception, is that there's the you know, just the general notion of the existence of the divine where people may not be looking for communicating with with people who have moved on, but, you know, they just would like to get an answer from somewhere right. that they're on the right path. And, you know, all of this stuff they're going through is going to be worth it one day. And, you know, there's something I want to read in a minute from the book that I, I would really liked. And it was, uh, uh, well, I won't give it away, but right. But the thing is, is that, you know, we all go through these, experiences where we just seem lost and to be able to communicate and get an answer I think is very very valuable even you know even if somebody may say oh you know they may criticize you or they may not believe it if it's real to you it's real exactly um, I really find that uh, the whole Dan metaphor is uh, something that everybody can benefit from absolutely couldn't agree more because i think a lot of people you know they lose a really close friend or a loved one or a parent or sibling or or whatever and it's like they just want to know they're all right yeah if nothing else if if they're all right then it looks good for us but it's you know (laughs) exactly okay dan how's it how is it out there yeah so that's great. So, uh, one th- let me uh, grab the book here. Where did I put it? Okay, and I want to read this passage here, which I really, really um, like. And and for the listeners, uh, let me just give a little bit of background that this book is, I would say, roughly biographical and. As Dee mentioned before, she found herself without a job, and that's what led her into uh, writing. And so actually going through that whole process was, was, you know, her salvation. But there's a passage in the book where the, where the heroine um, has just lost her job or just quit her job, and she's, she's going to go visit a family member and she's talking to Dan, her loss, you know, the loved one that she lost. And it goes like this. It says, you keep giving me these signs that I'm making the right decision, but nothing is adding up. The puzzle isn't fitting together. I wish you would just tell me. I'm so tired of waiting. I know there isn't any magical destination, but there has to be something more something bigger. And I thought this job was it, the greater purpose, leveraging my talents to connect, heal, and inspire others. And said it ended up with my 20-year career imploding, and I'll be lucky to even get a job after this. Ugh, what am I going to do? 
you need to help me now. Please, Danny, I'm not messing around anymore. I mean, the company had the word hell in it. How could I be so stupid? Is there even a beyond to believe in? Can you even hear me? And for me, I, I can't begin to tell you how many people are at that point in their life. Right. Because it's like they have reached the end of their rope and it's they don't know what in the world to do. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, so when... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say is, is there, a, obviously there's a message there of this process that she's going through. And, and I'd love it if you could uh, talk about what you want the readers and listeners to take away from that whole experience. Right. So, and like you mentioned, it, it does flow as almost autobiographical, right? And um, I wrote it intentionally fictionally because, um, you know, I added a lot of different pieces and parts, but some of it was based on true life. And in that exact moment, um, when the character is going through it, it was similar to what I went through in real life. And I was at this job, it wasn't fulfilling, and it it was very, um, it spoke to my soul that, like, this is not right, you should not be here, this is not what's meant to be happening, and so I tried to control it, right? I went out, and I went on all these different interviews, and they call back and say, oh, you were our second person, you were our second candidate, we offered it to somebody else, so sorry, of great skills, you know, and I kept getting these closed doors, and then I ended up losing my job, so I was trying to prevent not having control over, you know, leaving my job. Um, I wanted to have another one lined up, and I ended up losing the job. And it was in that moment that I realized that, you know, I'm not controlling this ship, right? That God is laughing at me because I'm trying to control my next move, right? And the message was extremely clear that every closed door was there for a reason, and that no matter how hard I beat on it or tried to open it, it was not opening. And it was only until um, I really let go or let's say I was pushed, right? So it was like, stop trying to control this destiny. You're headed in the totally wrong direction. I got pushed and I found myself kind of standing outside going, all right, well, now I don't have an option. The, the decision has been made for me. So what's next? And it was... It cleared out all the noise in my life and helped me really dig deep to figure out what is it that I want to be doing. Like, I don't want to just exist and have a job and do this and that. And that's when it gave me the inspiration to say, you know, what is my passion? I love to write and I love my friends. And wouldn't it be great if I could combine that into a story and have other people relate to it who are going through the same thing and are scared to take that next step? And, but I had to quiet my mind. I couldn't, I couldn't see the forest through the trees because I was just existing and living day to day. And now that I look back on it, you know, cause during the time I was like, why, why is this so hard? Why can't I get out of this situation? Um, you can't see past your own nose, right? So it had to be, I had to be completely removed from the situation to, uh, have the real reason kind of illuminate itself and it was life changing. So um, the message to the reader would be that, you know, it's never too late. 
follow your dreams, listen to your heart. If it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. But you have to take yourself maybe out of the situation or quiet yourself to hear what's really meant to happen. I have to say that sounds a lot like uh, spirituality. Yes, (laughs) which is very near and dear to my heart. But, you know, these issues about detachment and quieting your mind um, is all Buddhist. And it's like, uh, so I have to ask, do you have, are you a spiritual uh, girl at heart? Yes. So I was raised Catholic, but I would say that I'm very much um, spiritual in that, you know, I... I have this foundation, but I let it allow me to be accepting of many more faiths and people's lives and how they choose to live their lives. And it's more about, you know, I don't know if you'd like this new pope we have, but I think he's amazing. And he is just trying to include everybody and have the world focus on the people that are truly in need. Um, So, yeah, spirituality is a big part of what leads me every day. Well, it certainly shines through your writing. You know, it's kind of hard to uh, ignore it because it's it's such an uplifting story. I I suspected that there was probably some divine guidance in there somewhere. But we're gonna we're gonna have to take a break right now, and uh, and we'll be back in just a minute. This is Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson, and we're talking to D.D. Marks, the author of Beyond Believing, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned for some more wonderful conversation. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Most successful people have a strategy for their personal and professional advancement. They understand the value of learning from other people who know how to reach their goals and enjoy their lives. You can live life on your terms at home, work, play, and in the community. Join Lori and industry leaders as they share practical insights with you. Only on In It Together with Lori Lynn Green. Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson, and today we're talking with Dee Dee Marks, who is a up-and-coming author who has just written a an amazing book called Beyond Believing. And Dee Dee, I understand that this is just the first in a series of uh, books that that you intend to write about these themes of friendship and and guide, spiritual guidance and and uh, faith and hope and love and all that stuff yeah. that we all need to be aware of. So talk a little bit about what what's coming up. Sure. So um, when I started this journey of this particular story, um, it was only one book. And then I realized that, you know, you mentioned in the beginning that it was a very simple read and the characters aren't hard to follow. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from different book clubs and things that it was, you know, a lot of moms read the book and they're like, this is so great because the chapters are so much short and I can read way more than I could. And if I was reading this long drawn out novel, right. And, um, they really appreciated that it was kind of chopped up into small nuggets so that they could read it in almost a couple sittings really. So I felt like the story had so much more to tell than just one book so I mentally had written the whole story and decided where my stopping points were going to be and, and chose to turn it into a trilogy. So the first book is um, talking about these two characters, Olivia and Finn, and it's paralleling their lives across the span of about 15 to 20 years. So from early adolescence into adulthood and it's talking about these two people kind of living parallel lives but in totally different worlds and how they're going through similar events but they have no idea that they have so much in common. And then as fate would have it, their lives kind of come crashing together and they realize that it was being planned all along from an outside being, right? So this beyond believing. So the first book... um, kind of has a natural ending, and uh, the next two books will be much more real-time. So the first book covers many years, but doesn't really truly get into deep, deep character building. The next two will be more a little bit looking back and more diving into the the characteristics of these characters and their developing relationship, and probably only cover the span of another two years throughout the course of the remaining uh, books. So... Um, it's been really fun to write and a little bit easier to know there's two books ahead of me because I've already written the story in my head. Um, so I'm working on the second one as we speak and hope to have it out in, uh, you know, spring of 2016. Well, we'll certainly look forward to that. Thanks. But, uh, just as a, you know, the, 
this, as I understand it, the second book is going to be called Beyond Love. Correct. And, and that, that instantly raises the question, what is there beyond love? Exactly. <laughs> and so it's, uh, you know, because certainly our culture kind of makes love the epitome and there, there isn't anything past love. Right. So um, perhaps do you want to, I don't want you to give anything away, but is, sure. is there anything you can share about that? So when I was looking for the title, <clears throat> excuse me, of this book, I was really digging deep to figure out how could I create this almost metaphorical um, storyline and grab the person with the title. And it, you know, the, the, the comment beyond believing is like, takes on so many different meanings. And um, beyond love is another kind of metaphorical um, definition of, you know, that you're, you're open to receiving the love from beyond. And now that you you believe in it, now you can use it to nurture you and move you forward and progress you. And then the third book will be called Beyond Forever, which is, you know, the thought of, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, eternity and forever is a long time, right? So having that love for an eternity where it never ends and it's always there and it's a constant and it's infinity. So it's just kind of a progression of, I guess at a high level, spirituality and how you can go from not being a believer to believing and let it lead you and then trust in it forever kind of thing. Got it. As a writer, who do you get your inspiration from i know that you have a very individual style and you i love the plot twists and turns uh but is there anybody that you uh look to as kind of a mentor or take your inspiration from right so there's a couple women in my category that write chiclet and are pretty um well known in this genre and um one of them is Jen Lancaster and another woman is Emily Giffen and ironically they're both in Chicago which is where I am and one of them actually Emily went to a rival high school of mine and was just a year difference in grade so i think part of it was you know like that thinking and feeling like if they could do it, maybe I can do it too. And they're, they grew up similarly to, I, to how I did and they went for it and maybe I've got something here. So they absolutely inspire me and I follow them closely. Um, one of the biggest books that had the biggest impact on me was The Alchemist, um, which is, you know, about a journey and very, I took a lot of faith-based spirituality out of that too. But it just really depends, you know, what my mood is. If I'm, you know, I choose different authors based on how I'm feeling. Um, what I wanted to get across in this book, in addition to friendship, was humor and lighten things up and have people almost laugh at some of my own personal experiences that I created this character out of. Um, because, you know, everybody has these things in life that, you know, if only somebody could see them, right, it would be great, worth a great story. So... I just tried to capture that essence and really put it into um, a storyline that I thought would be very relatable to people my age and um, kind of with the same background. Uh, 
<clears throat> was wondering that there's a number of very important um, plot of events involving hot tubs <laughs> in your book. And uh, <laughs> I, I just have to ask, how important are hot tubs in your life? <laughs> so it's interesting. When I was starting to write this book, you know, I wanted it to be a love story, but I also um, wanted it to be, it's almost, you know, I've been labeled a little bit like Christian fiction. You know, I wanted it to be a book that could be read by the masses. And so I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want to, you know, overly state certain situations. And I'm like, you know, people like Nora Roberts can write a love scene and not get graphic and you get the point, right? So I tried to toe the line a little bit and throw some in there. Um, but also find the humor in being in that moment and also the insecurity around that and how funny it could be, right? So it was a combination of a lot of that. But, yeah, the at the end, um, you know, I, in my personal life, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So it was a great way for me to be able to write my own ending, right? And, like, what would I want that to look like if it were to happen? If I could do anything and write my own ending, how would I want that to end? So I just made up a character and made up her a happy ending. Who is your favorite character in the book? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I think, um, well, you know, Finn is, was a hundred percent fictional and it was a great way for me to kind of create this person and a personality and where did they come from? What were their life experiences how would they maybe be delivered to me in my life and what would that look like? And so he's been very fun to explore because he is totally made up. And um, it's been interesting to see, you know, where my inspiration came for the thing, you know, the fact that he's a chef and, you know, he's on a reality show and things like that. So um, it's been really fun to be playful with that and figure out, you know, where he's going to go in this next book and how I want to further develop him as a person or a character. Well, I certainly look forward to that. You know, one thing that the, that, it, that is similar between the hero and the heroine in this book is that they are both very connected to the people who are intimate in their lives and have passed on. Right. In other words, they they were very focused on that aspect of their spirituality, however you want to describe that. And, you know, and they got guidance from whatever response or signs or whatever they uh, experienced after community, you know, asking for advice or, or guidance. And is that kind of a universal theme that you want people to to understand is that you know you have to have that aspect of your life something more than just you know fun and parties right yeah it takes the um you know because there's not a person on this planet that has not lost somebody they love i would imagine right and those losses can range from you know a pet even to a spouse or a child and you know, a lot of us aren't necessarily equipped with 
skills or tools to be able to know how to go through that grief process. The love process is a lot more fun to go through than the grief process. And people can come out of the grief process and sometimes never recover or have hope or be afraid. And um, I think it's just important that people understand that there, there can be light in the midst of darkness. And, you know, like I mentioned, we were, I was away this weekend with some girlfriends and um, one of our friends' moms just passed away. And so we did a little ceremony and we spread some ashes and, uh, we were in the Midwest and it was really cold and overcast and we said a little prayer and hugged each other. And it, as just as we ended, the skies parted just a teeny bit. It was like somebody opened the curtains and the sun sh- shone through. And it's just those moments of like, wow, you know, like we're really connected, but we lose sight of that in the day-to-day world. And it'll help you get through a lot of hard times if you have that faith and hope that there's bigger and better things out there and to recognize when those gifts are given to you. Well, obviously you believe that um, there is a life after death. Yes. And so what, you know, is that something that, uh, where are you on the line, on the spectrum on that? Is that something you are have learned through experience or is that something that you have just found uh, in a faith-based journey? Right. Um, Kind of a little of both. I mean, it's that hope that, you know, once you lose this physical person um, that you'll be somehow reunited somewhere someday. And that if you look at life differently and think, you know, maybe we're only in this physical realm for a hundred years, but if you think about something like eternity and forever, you can't even come up with a concept of how much time that is, right? So um, there was a lot of conversation this weekend amongst friends, and you know, like it's comforting to help you get through that to know that you're going to be reunited, and maybe there is a bigger, better purpose, and that this is just a a blip in time, and eventually we'll all be together and. I'll be happy and, you know, not sick or poor or hungry or, um, and, you know, some people don't believe in anything and maybe they're spiritual, but for me, it's a foundation that gives me hope that there's something even bigger and better to come. Absolutely. Let me uh, change gears just for a second because there's also another aspect of your life that I think is really important, and that is your uh, message to teenagers and young adults about alcohol and driving or drugs and how, you know, the importance of uh, being responsible and, and understanding that because your friend Dan died in an alcohol-related accident, and certainly um, that's incorporated into the book. Uh, you know, tell, I'd love you to share with people what you're trying to do with that, uh, what you offer for groups that uh, would like to hear your message, because, sure. uh, you know, this is, I, personally, I know people who have suffered similar losses and it's uh i think it's not going away 
Right. So given the, you know, we were very young, 23, which I still think is, you know, extremely young. So um, after I wrote the book, I was invited to speak at a high school this past year. And it just was like, you know, if I could tell anybody in this room who, you know, kids think they're invincible and that, you know, they make bad decisions because they're intimidated or peer pressure or whatnot. And but nobody ever thinks of the the ultimate consequence, right? That, you know, what you think this is all fun and funny now, but what if you get a call tomorrow? And it's something they can't even fathom. It's not even something they could potentially even relate to. So the message was, you know, you're not invincible and you have to be responsible and you can't take your own life and risk it, let alone put other people's lives at risk. Um, and the more that you have alcohol or drugs, the less in control you are of your own emotions um, and your own responses. And, you know, fortunately in this accident, it was a one-car accident. He didn't kill anybody else, thank God. Um, but he killed himself. And, um, you know, that's a loss that, you know, a lot of us, dealt with for a long time. And so my biggest message, you know, I have a young niece and nephew is that, you know, I know you're 15 and you think you're nothing like this could ever happen to you, but I'm telling you it can happen and I will do whatever I can in your life to avoid that happening. Um, so, you know, making it clear to them that, you know, should you be presented with, you know, a case where you have to make a decision if you're going to drink or not, you know, make the right decision. Don't get in the car with that person or get a ride or call somebody or, you know, things like that where, you know, they might not be able to take themselves out of the situation, but they can control the outcome. Right. What uh, would you suggest or recommend? I, I, I know that, you know, this is an important message that has to be shared with you know just about anybody who drives but especially younger people who have less of a perspective than older people uh, do you have any suggestions or thoughts about how we can get that message across to more people right so you know i think that if you have a platform where people will listen to you so you're in a position of power or people look up to you or have a respect for you, um, you know, it's just making sure that um, you relay the consequences and that, you know, the kids understand what they potentially could involve themselves in. So I don't know if you've seen this commercial lately where um, the mom, you know, they have a lot of things with the you know, hands-free and being on your phone, it's very similar outcomes, right? And the mom's taking a selfie of her little daughter, and then the next thing you know, it's like things can change in an instant, and lives will be changed forever. And it's jarring almost because it's just like, oh, my gosh, like you weren't expecting that at all. And that's how it happens in real life, right? Like nobody ever expects to get that phone call or to be in a jail cell because they, they got a DUI but fortunately haven't killed anybody. You know, and it's just owning your own consequences and responsibility and being a good citizen, basically. Well, let me ask you this in your your, uh, 
description, you you say that your parents were told over and over again that you were a little too social <laughs> from uh, at their parent teacher conferences. Do you consider yourself too social now? <laughs> I think it's a crime not to be too social. Um, no, it's where you know that you know some people are triathletes and run marathons and do all these things to like fill up their soul and their body. My fuel is friendship and I dedicate most of my life to nourishing those relationships and not taking those people for granted and appreciating what they bring to my life and the value they add and the things they teach me. Um, So no, I think it ironically has come full circle and because of that gift of gab, it's helped me turn that into a true passion and be able to share that gift with others that want to read it. So um, I think it's my best asset. <laughs> okay. Well, if there was somebody listening to this radio show, and I'm pretty sure there will be, who is going through a, a time of loss or struggle or pain, uh, what is the message that you hope that they could get out of Beyond Believing, um, you know, to help them keep going. Right. So I think the true underlying theme and message of the book is that, you know, everybody out there has their own cross to bear, and it may be in a different form than physical loss. It could be the loss of a marriage or the loss of a job and, you know, all those things kind of chip away at who you are as a person. And um, you need to keep yourself balanced and understand that th- these things like a job and a marriage don't define who you are as a person. So if you continue to nourish yourself with other things so that you can be prepared when these tragic events happen, you'll be more spiritually equipped, if you will, to help get through that trying time. And for me, that common foundation has always been friendship. Um, I have many people in my life that I can lean on and count on um, that will be there for me in the drop of a hat. And um, if people don't have that in their life, just knowing or relating that there's other people going through similar similar circumstances and that they're not alone. Um, to seek out people or a you know a group or um, things that might be able to help keep them going. Okay. Your subtitle is An Inspiring Story to Awaken the Heart. And, you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty broad category, and it's also uh, something that's on the minds of a lot of people these days is how do I open, you know, how do I love myself more? How do I experience love? How do I, how do I break open all these walls that I've built around my heart? And, uh, you know, I, I know we could have a whole show just on that, but what did you mean by awakening the heart? Well, again, you know, when I said that, you know, when I lost Dan, um, like you you just said it perfectly about the the walls and the insulation you build up around your heart. Um, it's hard to be vulnerable again. If somebody loses a spouse, right, and they 
their whole world comes crashing down. Like, will they ever get, will they ever experience love again? Or if somebody's been divorced, will they ever meet somebody else that will help fulfill them? Or if they lose a job, um, how are they going to feel confident to go into the next one? They have something amazing to bring to the table. So I think it's just constantly reassuring yourself that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to put yourself out there and that, you know, the more you do that, the more benefits you're going to reap from, you know, people that are willing to pick up those signs. So, um, yeah, I think it's constantly a, um, a circle of, you know, retraining yourself to not become a hardened person or to shut people out or to not put yourself in circumstances because you're afraid of the outcome. Um, to just keep being true to who you are as a person and that things will eventually work out. Be your own cheerleader. Yes. 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 Uh, you know, one, that's, you know, one of the, I suppose the benefits of having close friends is that, you know, I was always told to surround yourself with ch- realistic cheerleaders and, you know, and practical cheerleaders, because I think that, uh, you know, one of our problems in life is that we get trained early on on how to criticize ourselves, right. and and a lot of times, you know, we're we're trying to go through life and we don't have the skills to yeah. uh, go through a loss or a painful experience because we all we know is how to beat ourselves up. And right. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a great. Uh, point for people to, uh, you know, I, I know you've been asked in other uh, interviews of what, what's your takeaway on, on this story. And, you know, I, I, I know that um, uh, you've answered that question several ways. But, you know, to me, if, if, I, if I can just say as somebody who's read the book and was impressed with the spiritual themes going through it, and, and that is that um, you know, listen to your inner voice and uh, don't, you know, always believe and have hope and lean on your friends. Right. Yep. 100%. So, which is, you know, to me, as a, um, uh, you know, and friends don't have to be in physical form. Right. I love that. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like uh, I, I noticed that um, in the book, you know, the, the main characters certainly rely on their guardian angels who they um, communicate with in some form or another. And um, I have, we don't have a lot of time left, but I just, you had a, you referred to a band in the book called the Cougars. Was that a reference to John Cougar Mellencamp? Yes, yep. Is that where you got the, okay. Yes. Well, I was going, there's something familiar about that name. I couldn't, it was rattling around, and then you mentioned it on, earlier in the show. So, well, unfortunately, we have run out of time, and, and it certainly has gone quickly. Thank you so much, Dee Dee, and, and Dee Dee has a website, which is ddmarks.com, no spaces, and uh, certainly recommend that you go to the website and learn more and all things about Dee Dee. 
because she is a very delightful writer, and I think you'll really enjoy her book. And go buy this book for all of your Christmas presents this year. Yes. So, um, and I think your friends and family will definitely appreciate that gift. So we're going to have to sign up. All Thank you for listening, everyone. Really appreciate you tuning in. Now, this is Get Real Radio. My name is James Robinson, and we've been talking to D.D. Marks, the author of Beyond Believing. Thank you, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self.